Hello, welcome to MySpot Talks. I'm Chetan Shah, hosting a series of podcasts for the global events industry. In this week's talks, we're talking to the front line where we are discussing the future of live with Kirsty Northridge from First Event, Kate Anstis from Freshly Squeezed Events, and Christopher Lind from Shore Events. Okay, hello, welcome everyone. Chetan here from Iceberg, uh, back with a talks which we haven't done for quite a few weeks actually. So I thought it'd be good to get some fab industry people together to talk about what they're seeing in the current climate. Um, and of course, we're going to talk about uh, the recent announcement. But uh, before we get to that, a few quick announcements um, from me, from Iceberg. So we have. Um, an event next Wednesday, which is a rock up and pay as you go event at uh, Between the Bridges, which is in Waterloo. So if you go to mustbeonit.com, you'll see the details. It's literally pay as you go. Let's just get together. We thought about doing a virtual event or a hybrid event, and we thought, oh, no, let's just get together, have a drink, and see what happens. So if anyone's around next Wednesday in Waterloo, London, from 3p onwards, and just rock up. Um, the early bird tickets finishes this friday for the v awards we've already over 50 percent sold of our table so do get in there quickly we are working to restrict capacity still because we still don't know what the venue will say but hopefully we could extend it but over 50 percent sold already so do get in and welcome to uh nicola i'm not sure if she's on yet but nicola who's joined the team um to say welcome to her. She is Nicola Root, which most quite a few of you might know from the industry, has joined us as client and brand services director. So yeah, very excited to have her on board and hopefully she'll catch up with some of you over the next few weeks. Um, right, let's get into the session. I'm going to ask each of the panelists to introduce themselves and company name, name company, what kind of work you do. And also we did this before last time with the leaders call. Who's really pissing you off at the moment? Um, if it's a person, an organisation, uh, a politician, who's really just grating you? Uh, let's start with Kirsty. No time to prepare. Um, okay, <laughs> hi, I'm Kirsty. Um, I'm from First Event. Um, we do conferences, meetings, all sorts, really. Um, what was there? Was there another question, or was it just who's pissing me off? Um, <laughs> oh, I think. Um, yeah, I think the thing probably is all to do with the travel stuff. So that's annoying me because I'm constantly having to move stuff. So I think I'm getting pissed off about the, I think, mate, actually, no, what's pissing me off is the media making a big hoo-ha out of stuff that's not a big deal. That's what's pissing me off. Um, every day you think things are better. And then the thing yesterday was about another even more um, contagious variant. So I just wish they'd just calm down with it. Because every time I think there's good news, there's something to try and rain on that parade. Thank you, Kirsty. Kate? Uh, hi, hi, I'm Kate uh, from Freshly Squeezed Events and we run Bespoke, we're a Bespoke Events Agency, um, quite well known for some pretty awesome incentives, but we run an awful lot of virtual events now and lots of other stuff too. Uh, what, I'm, oh, I, have, I haven't prepared about who's pissing me off, I'm trying to stay all positive here. Uh, right, yeah, loads of people, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know where to start, I don't know where to start. Yeah, just the confusion, um, continuous announcements, announcements that we're going to be making announcements. It has to be Boris, probably. Um, Matt Hancock pissed me off the other week because he was one rule for him and one rule for everyone else. Um, and Dominic Cummins, who pissed me off last year when he <laughs> lied blatantly. Um, and now he's stirring everything. There you go. That's three people. That's me over and out. <laughs> <laughs> 
Chris. Uh, Chris Lynn Shore Events. We're a nice small agency down on the seaside in Brighton, which is very sunny at the moment. Um, who's pissing me off? The Transatlantic Committee that God knows what they're doing or reporting or whatever, but yeah, we need the US to open um, for our markets, even to go and see our two top clients that want to see us in the US. Um, and we, unless we go to Mexico for two weeks beforehand, can't go in there. So yeah, that's me. And which you just recently did, which we might hopefully come on to in a second. Thanks, Chris. So this is our talks. Um, uh, it's recorded. It will be on our podcast. It will be on our forum if anyone wants to watch it back later. Um, we've got the chat box for questions on the right. So not just me, but please do pop in there. Anything else you want to, uh, the panel to answer. Um, and always the objective is to recover faster and stronger. And we really appreciate the panel's honesty when answering some of the questions we're going to put to them today. So let's get into it. I'm going to do it in two stages. We're going to come on to the recent announcement a little bit later on. Um, let's, let's start. Let's go back to you, Chris. Just in terms of what you're seeing, let's start with the UK. I don't know how much you do in the UK, but what are you seeing in the UK? Is, is anything booking, inquiries? What's actually confirmed? When? What kind of size? Give us, a, give us a quick outline of what you're seeing in terms of bookings. Yeah, so we, we didn't do, used to do a lot, lot of UK, but we do now. Um, people that are meant to have travelled elsewhere are, are coming back to the UK. We've got a group in Scotland in September, uh, fingers crossed for the weather. Um, we've got a couple of Christmas events that are already confirmed for December. Um, so, yeah, I think that it's actually interesting for us, spaces that we haven't looked at before or, or may not have considered because everyone wants to go abroad. People are, we're putting some great stuff forward for the UK. Um, so, yeah, I think people are are seeing it as a viable option now and it and removes some of the risk. Um, yes, you've still got people that want to travel abroad, but if people are a bit bit wary, um, then then travelling up the road is is more is safer at this time. And, and what, what sort of time frames are you seeing? Is it is it Q4? Uh, yeah, so... Any earlier? Uh, so, yeah, September. So that's just at the end of Q3. Yeah, um, uh, yeah and then looking into, into the beginning of next year. Okay. Uh, Kate, what about you? Uh, what are you seeing? In terms of the UK or just, just in general? Yeah, let's stay with UK to start yeah. with. Yeah, well, no, we, we've got we've got slightly different, actually. Everyone's just wanting to get the hell out of the UK at the moment. So most of our briefs, like all of the events we've won, I think we've got Miami, Bahamas, Dubai, South Africa, and one in the UK. Um, actually, that's a lie, because we are doing, a, we've just got a Bond event. We're doing something with Bond Premier. Um, so that's, I think, the when's that October? Uh, but pretty much, and a roadshow next year in the UK. But apart from that, it's all it's all abroad, all okay. aboard, all aboard to go abroad. <laughs> all right, let's let's stay with the, the um, let's stay with uh, abroad then. So, where are you seeing uh, abroad? When? What what kind of numbers? Uh, well, we're doing lots of ski. We've got we've got ski events booked already. We've got. I'm just looking at my list here. Uh, so we've got out of that, that I just mentioned the five that we've got confirmed, Miami, Bahamas, Dubai, South Africa, and the UK, um, a couple in the UK. Um, and then lots of the briefs, all of the briefs that are coming in there for the Caribbean. Uh, we've got uh, a, a sort of route across Europe, skiing, Dubai, Ibiza, um, so quite quite a mix, really. I have to say, they are they are. You might notice there's a theme though. They're kind of countries that 
we anticipate are more likely to be okay. <laughs> I don't know why, because it's quite unknown, isn't it? But yeah, there's a, the Caribbean's quite, there's a quite a theme of the Caribbean because, you know, it's, it's actually, because of the restrictions there are not as aggressive as in other places. Um, but yeah, that gives you a bit of a, bit of a snapshot I suppose yeah, I think you're right I think perception is going to be hugely key not only for the decision makers but then when they say this is what we're doing to the attendees you want them to go yes we want to go so I, I can understand some of those destinations being chosen above maybe some other more exotic ones yeah I mean you're not there's there's not a real a real will to go um east mm -hmm. I'm, we're noticing so you know it's kind of Caribbean states um skiing Dubai Middle East South Africa so there's not we haven't had really much at all I don't know about everyone else but really people aren't don't seem to be too interested in going east at the moment isn't that strange because the east is actually you know lots of parts of the east are doing very well yeah it's the opening up though we it's just opening up thing, yeah. from, uh, from Bali um to have to look so kind of elsewhere because um even for site inspections where we got virtual site inspections are great but a client won't commit to something. So it's not only being able to run the event when it's actually happening, but being able to do a site inspection now. So that's where um, they want to be able to go somewhere. But then places that are less complex, like the Maldives, for example, places mm. like that, people are mm -hmm. willing to commit to. But if you're talking about moving people around, the Golden Triangle, all of that sort of thing, mm -hmm. people aren't going to go, yeah, yeah, let's do that, because they want to see what, what it is. And I think it's going to be not only interesting for people for, for the countries in the east when they open up but when they open up they're going to panic if they get 10 cases they're going to go yeah okay whereas the other way in the us like our us clients have forgotten what covid is um we mm. had a couple of guests on our trip who uh jody from from the team mentioned earlier um had don't didn't never really had to wear a mask um never really knew what was going on with covid so yeah trying to get them to go somewhere is, is difficult um, just got a got a question here in the chat, Kate, for you. Just um, uh, are there new are they new inquiries or are they kind of uh, existing kind of events that were postponed? Oh no, I've just I've only mentioned brand new stuff. Yeah, we've got. Okay. I mean, we postponed a heap of them. I have to say. So, you know, they're um, and they are all over the place. And I think I think Kirsty mentioned one client that you've on your fifth iteration basically, and we we've got one client that we've moved for the fifth time. Um, so these are the ones I'm mentioning. I thought it would be more interesting to talk about stuff that's coming in now, just to get a vibe for what's happening out there now, rather than sort of historically. Okay, let's let's go to Kirsty. Just t tell us the same UK and overseas. What what are you seeing? Um, what kind of destinations numbers? Yeah, so we've seen a massive increase in the last couple of months that inquiries coming in. It's, I'd say, same to what Chris was saying, so September's busy and kind of the end of the year, that's mainly in the UK. Um, we're seeing um, a lot of people kind of wanting to reconnect and reward and revitalise with customers or with internal staff events where they've obviously been living in this virtual world for so long. They're wanting to look at opportunities to bring people together. Um, so we're seeing quite a lot of that towards the end of the year. We've got big exhibitions and things like that booked. 
in the last um, quarter of this year. And then we're seeing inquiries into next year for more overseas things. But again, a few um, big company-wide events that some we've seen some new business coming from companies that haven't done big events like that before, but actually they're now seeing after what we've gone through in the last year, they want an opportunity to bring all their staff together and kind of celebrate kind of what, you know, getting through the tough last 18 months, two years it'll be by the time they do something next year. So some of those are in the UK as well. It's been encouraging, like it's really increased um, inquiries-wise. Yeah, that, that, that's encouraging in itself, isn't it? Having clients that mm-hmm. haven't previously done bigger stuff, that they've been feeling the need to communicate, celebrate, that we've all done it, got through it. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting question also, just staying with you, Kirsty, from Chris, who's asking just about um, terms and conditions. So all of these inquiries, all these great bookings, it sounds really hopeful for our sector. Um, how much is it? Uh, how much flex is there in contract terms? How much are you able to secure um, confidence in terms of it going ahead? How much have you had to make massive cancellation flexible terms, both with the suppliers and, and yourselves with your end client? Yeah, I think it. Um, we have been, and I think when you look when you're looking at UK stuff, I think it's more coming down to contingency planning as well. So with the stuff that's in the UK, I think we're trying to look at. Um, so I think I mentioned just before the call, we had um, a big conference exhibition that they wanted to, it was going to happen this next week. Um, and right up until the delay in the um, release the Freedom Day, that was going to happen next week. So we've had to move that on. And I think that was when we contracted it, it was last minute. Everything's a bit short lead time now, isn't it? At the moment we're working with and um, venues and everybody, suppliers, we all want this to happen. So everyone's kind of working together to agree to let's make a call kind of this far out and we'll move forward new stuff that we're looking at for kind of towards the end of the year we're working on a lot of things where it's either fully live or is there a contingency to make it hybrid or can we set it up as hybrid but if we decide to go live can we so it's kind of working through um with suppliers and with um the clients of what do they want it to look like and if we were to have to lock down again or there were further restrictions what does that look like or if there was an outbreak of COVID or there was people that tested positive, how, how does that impact? So I think it's just having those conversations at the beginning, whereas I think it's just a new way of working, isn't it? Where kind of two years ago, we definitely, you know, include all the health and safety and the contingency planning and crisis management and stuff, but we're having that conversation at contracting stage now, whereas I think before you'd have that further down the line. So it's just kind of maybe changing the order in which we're having those conversations. Does, it, does any part of you, um, going to come to Kate, um, feel that you can charge for all this extra work because I know everyone's doing you know contingency proposals you know plan b plan c and d um are, are we still working on the same margins and pricing or or are you able to actually charge for you know what we're worth it's always been a yeah, difficult yeah. one I think we need to open up freshly squeeze consultancy yeah COVID consultancy I don't know <laughs> yeah. but, um, <laughs> I, I, I mean we're finding that companies sort of you know they're our clients all of our stuff's business you know business business but um you know that there is a wild scale wide scale acceptance that the terms have changed and that we have to not only do we have to include in that, that sort of flexibility as much as you know as much as we can but also you know that they are building in um and accepting that there may be a small financial loss um and that is and there is more of an acceptance of that now whereas this time last year everybody wanted every penny back from everything (laughs) and you know it was just slightly more tricky whereas I think it's made it a bit easier now that we've got a year of experience of it or over a year of experience sadly of it um 
weirdly, we don't get we're not getting that many questions about COVID um, when people are talking when, when we're speaking to our clients. It, we're actually offering that information as opposed to our clients bringing it up in the sort of um, pitching phase. Hmm, interesting. Uh, Chris, what about you in terms of um, contracts and also execution, getting answers back when you're looking, you know, airlines, hotels, all this great inquiries, but where is there, is there a, um, you know, a pipeline issue? Um, not particularly. I think if, that there's obviously, unfortunately, some people have moved on from roles and stuff like that, but I think that we've still got the context that we need to get them. Obviously, it's sometimes not as quick, um, but, but and we just realistic with our clients that, that I mean, it's not a surprise that some hotels might be a bit slower coming back if they're closed. Um, but also just touching on what we were saying before about what people want to be doing. I know that a lot of it, a lot of the time we talk about UK clients, but interestingly, where we've got clients elsewhere in Europe and and especially in the US where they're just right, all guns blazing, let's go ahead, let's do stuff. Um, it, it's, it's interesting seeing the US as a case study of how they've dealt with um, with COVID and how people want to meet and and actually that it's the older demographic that want to get out because they've lived through other um, massive life events. Um, so that's the bit that fills me with confidence that moving forward it's going to be it's going to be fine. And people are confirming it's not. We had a and obviously the, the the guys are saying that there was a lot of yeah we have a lot of briefs and stuff like that. You send a proposal and they go well let's wait and see what happens, but. At least people are confirming now. They understand the terms and conditions. They understand that they're booking during a pandemic now. There's not the, oh, we want to have everything back and be able to just cancel. And, and our biggest thing with all of our clients is that if you commit to that amount of money, you commit that you're spending it at some point. So that makes the conversations with suppliers much easier, airlines, whatever it is, to say, we're going to book it for January, but if it doesn't happen, we're going to move it. We're not going to get into an awkward conversation of, well, we want everything back. Um, so yeah, and we and we have to give a little to um, to take a little as well. Okay, interesting. We have a, we have had a lack of availability. We for in uh, the states, particularly um, Miami, um, Caribbean. So if for anything in twenty twenty one, for say Q four twenty twenty one, there is a lack of availability. We've found. I'm not sure what anyone else has. <laughs> Don't know if it's just us. I think we'd have what you were touching on we've actually found we're struggling to get a response we're not getting a response right back from suppliers that we were getting so I think you know we've obviously lived through this last year or so where everyone's kind of understood a lot of people are on furlough response times are slower um but we're finding now that the demand is much higher from customers but we're not getting the level of response back from suppliers so it is taking us longer to get things back. airlines particularly we've struggled with whereas previous before COVID we had an account manager and we had a direct line now all we have is a group's email address and when we would get a response back within 24 hours now it's taken us four or five days a week um to get a response on a quote and then we're having to go back again and you know upgrades and all those kind of things are just taking us a lot longer than they did mm -hmm. um the other thing with on the airlines i don't know if anyone else has come across this is that we're finding that they've reduced the size of the aircraft on some of the major routes so some um incentive events that we'd sold and we moved to next year when we've come to buy the flights for those um this year we can't actually get the capacity we need because they've either cut the routes down so 
we'd normally book them across regional airports where we knew these are popular routes. We know we can get 200 seats or whatever that we need. We're either finding they've got smaller aircraft, so I can't get the number of seats I need, or they've actually reduced the routes. So we've actually had to charter um, next year for an um, incentive where we would normally have used kind of like the scheduled airlines and things. So that's something that we're finding still is a challenge at the moment. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. What what else? What else is challenging with this fantastic demand? But you know the execution is it? You know we've touched on contracts, which seems to be actually smoothed over a little bit. Is it availability timeframes, um, pricing? Is, it, what, is there anything else that's a challenge to, to get this to execute? Yeah, I think that. Um, sorry, can I go? Um, yeah, sure, absolutely. The, um, biggest thing for me is that I think that some suppliers are they, they basically chosen one side of the net each of right we're going to make everything back and be painful and and someone will book us like you were saying kate about being super busy with leisure market and everything else so they have almost dumped the group's market for the moment and then others that are super super keen on the business and they really want to work with you and and understand the challenges and everything else and i think that's where it to get stuff back and to confirm stuff it is is the challenge for me is that there's a big differential between that and and we rely heavily on people like Rakesh and Nikki and Chris and people like that for the DMC side of it and and mm-hmm. knowing what they are because being a small team we don't have all the direct contacts so even mm-hmm. with the airlines go so you're saying we work through um all about flights and they've had to they're almost doing the hard work for us of keeping those contacts in place mm-hmm. um but yeah that's it is a challenge but again I think that people understand it like clients understand it. they understand it's a bit longer if you say hey look we're gonna we're gonna need to take two weeks to get it back rather than a week they're not looking going oh well why have you why have your standards slipped mm. um so yeah although i don't know about you guys but we've had some incredibly short timeline briefs as well like we are organizing a party this weekend that we got the brief for last monday yeah, <laughs> yeah we're seeing that. i think that's one of the new things that is everything's on a short lead time whereas before your events would be a few months away or even 12 yes. months away and um, everything's very short lead time now whether that's live events or virtual everything is on a very short lead time yes yeah and what it feels like we're in sprints at the moment oh no sorry i was just gonna say it feels like we're in sprints every time there's an announcement you get a sprint and then <laughs> a load of inquiries based on that sprint and then i i'm hoping next week the same thing will happen um yeah if it's next week is it next week two week after week after next sorry yeah chris you were saying I was just saying that it's all short, short lead times and pricing and everything else, but still 60 day payment terms, everybody. And we want to keep our money and, and all of that sort of thing. And, and I think that also from a client point of view, we're lucky we've got clients as we all do that are uh, don't do the tender process and everything else. But we've had a couple of clients where they've used this opportunity to go through a massive tender process and they are looking purely, purely on pricing and what can you do fully virtual and, um, and, and everything else, and it's it's such a moving target. Um, but then still wanting sixty days from the end of the month, you put the invoice in, and, and all of that sort of thing, and yeah. um, and and always making us bankroll that. But but yeah, that's it's interesting. Exactly right. I think I think there's definitely more sort of tendering, sort of pitchy approach um, now that we've been, a lot of the meetings are virtual because they can you know they can do three back to back. Our clients can do three back to back pitches from agencies. Whereas before the whole thing would have just taken a whole lot longer. Um, and I think they've had more time online, just looking around at the competition and 
Have you had to do the uh, the blind pitch where you can't even see their faces? Have you guys done that? I've heard that's just the most awful thing you could ever do. I think it's about the same as being in a boardroom where they're actually on their laptops. So I'm not sure if it's that different. Yeah. It's, it's this one, right, where they're looking at the other screen. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry, what was that? Yeah. Um, got a question here about insurance and whether any... Has, does insurance play any part of building confidence, securing, uh, helping you through this process for, again, back to execution? Does insurance play any part in the conversation? Well, a tiddly bit, I suppose, just a question beforehand, you know, trying to find information about what the regulations are is really difficult and everything's so grey. So, you know, whether that's sort of double vaccinations versus lateral flow tests and you know trying to get the information out of insurance companies and trying to kind of work on the risk assessment side of things is a lot trickier because the government just haven't put out or our industry hasn't put out a sort of blueprint of guidelines um and that i'm aware of anyway yeah, let's, let's come on to that because I've got that as a note. So if, uh, just another couple of quick questions, I think, um, on this section is, is are you finding the inquiries are sector specific at all? Um, or do you think it's just the personalities that you're dealing with that are driving who is going back to live and who isn't? Um, go to Kirsty first, please. Yeah, I definitely don't think there's a sector. Um, I think it's coming from all over. I think it's, it is probably down to either personalities or kind of the um, values of the business or the culture of the business where the um, people, you've got kind of the two camps of people, haven't you? I mean, the people that are kind of desperate to get back to live experience and travel and experience things. And then you've got people that are maybe a little bit more anxious and a bit more cautious and they want to go more down either the, to keep virtual or go with the hybrid route. Um, I think it's it kind of comes down to whoever either that person is leading or the company. But I we haven't seen a, a particular um, sector. I don't know if the other guys have. No, we we haven't seen a sector. We've seen location based, as I touched on earlier about where where the clients based, but also the just the, the the specific client. We've got one client with two divisions where one wants to do live and one wants to do fully virtual because and for, so it's more up to them about what they can do um personally and, and their yeah their personality behind it versus um it's a specific company but i think a, a big thing is and we touched on another, on another call was that it's people are waiting whilst they figure out what they're doing in their offices so um if their staff aren't back yet and, and maybe have confirmed an event but haven't actually communicated it yet because if they're finding the right time to communicate it out so Freedom Day will be a big one where people are like, now that we're free, by the way, we're doing something in October rather than doing it in the depths of when you're not allowed to do it. Everyone's response is just, yeah, that's not going to happen. So, I think I, I get the feeling of the vibe. I don't know about everyone else, but for, certainly from the people that we're speaking to, that, that you know they've got healthy budgets, um, and I don't, you know, I think that there's just a bit of a hesitancy, you know, whether employees will, for, for example, with an incentive, whether they'll take up the offers of, of going away. Um, and also there's still a bit of a culture of saving saving costs because that's one thing the pandemic has done, even in our clients that are actually succeeding with the pandemic, if that makes sense, they're thriving in the pandemic exponentially. But um, it, it, yeah, so there's a, a real mix. 
I think one of the big things was that one of the announcements that came out was the not needing to isolate as a close contact because what we found is that people aren't risk adverse to going to an event whether that's the football at Wembley or a conference or whatever but it's the if I sit near somebody and get the dreaded notification on my thing and then I have to sit indoors for 10 days mm. that's what they're scared of so mm -hmm. it's one and then we saw it again with the US as soon as they got rid of that and you went back to testing and everything else people were more likely to go out because the fear is and I'm not speaking to everybody people are obviously still worried about it, but just in general the fear of getting COVID is is subsiding it's just the impact on isolation and like and and having to isolate when you come back from destinations and stuff like that is the main is the main driver mm -hmm. yeah i think this potential announcement this week about the amber list if you're fully vaccinated not having to isolate that's going to make a huge difference i think with the inquiries so i think like you say we'll probably see another kind of surge kate on that i think we're even seeing like even healthier budgets in some cases because people have been sat on them so like those as you say those customers that have thrived in the in the pandemic um have not only done well but they've got the budget from the event that maybe wasn't spent last year and then it's this year so it's actually what can we do um mm -hmm. and you have got you know we've had a few as i was mentioning earlier we had a conversation yesterday with a client that wants to bring like a company conference internationally and bring everyone together and they're talking about doing that in the uk in september but that includes flying people in from all around the world including places like australia so you know there's some real kind of optimism out there and like a real desire to do something and get everybody together um because you know it's been so long and people just want that that opportunity don't they and kind of holding on to the chance that we may it may happen so mm -hmm. that's really encouraging i've got to say i think it's been one of the most positive talks in the that we've had and i hope for that is because that is the reality of the sentiment i'm pretty sure it is because that's you know that's why we're talking to the front line what are you guys seeing so let's go to the monday announcement which actually pretty much said what's happening on the 19th which is no restrictions no face masks no social distancing full capacity no testing even so since that announcement um let's go to kate what 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 did you think and have you seen any discernible kind of direct reaction from clients or, or what are you expecting to see so tell us your thoughts about back to live and and what, what monday meant i i think um I, i'll be complete uh, to be completely honest it hasn't made any difference uh, we have had, it's, in the last month, we've had a surge, definitely had a surge of inquiries. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure that the last week has been any different. Um, I couldn't really, I couldn't, I couldn't really say that there's been a difference. Um, and I, I want to say, though, that we're not just sitting on here being positive, that, that this is genuine uh, stuff that's happening. Well, I'm not saying this as an agency owner who's trying to look good. <laughs> we genuinely are. See, it is positive for our industry because we are genuinely seeing more inquiries and people, as Chris and as you've said, are signing contracts for actual events. Um, and, and I think that's the difference. I think it's this collection of announcements that, are grow, that everyone is growing in confidence. And over the last month, we've just seen a general increase in inquiries and, and existing clients saying, right, let's go. We're ready to, we're ready to take off again. Um, but I, I would say we're still doing two to three virtual events a month. So mm -hmm. there is still a place for virtual, um, but there has been a slump in inquiries for virtual from our perspective. Um, but we're running two to three, which is anything from product launches to sort of fun games and 
you know it, just more fun stuff as well but um yeah so i i just think yeah since last monday i wouldn't say specifically there's been a difference but a general uptake over the last month definitely um and i think that's just only going to get bigger after um the 19th um yeah. for everybody um, yeah, I'd say we've seen the same like surge over the last kind of two months and it has been really busy this week. Um, but I'm not sure if it's necessarily down to that announcement or the same thing as what Kate said. It's been a gradual like as things keep happening and people keep kind of looking at, and I think people are sitting on it and every time there's a bit more of an announcement, it's a bit more of an encouragement to actually, yeah, I'll take that, um, that forward. I think, as I said already, though, some people are still a little bit cautious um, about about what they're going to do but um yeah same thing it is it is definitely positive and encouraging that these inquiries are coming through um but we are still getting virtual inquiries so i've had a virtual inquiry today um so we're still doing um two or three a week virtual events and we're getting the hybrid stuff in there now so that's the interesting conversation at the minute talking about hybrid for september um and are people going to maybe start to change their minds on that now we've had this kind of almost definite is freedom day in a couple of weeks but um what will that look like in September because again I think going back to the thing earlier about what's annoying me then you hear in the news oh well we'll have all the curves back by the winter so I think it'll be interesting to see what the response is going to be to that um, and if people continue down the route of hybrid or there is more of a surge towards um live events yeah and Chris what so similar question but also if you're trying to get people back to come to an event are you looking at any sort of testing as part of that kind of route back to live and confidence building and getting attendees happy to come are you looking at testing going forward even if you don't yeah have i mean to? we've had the conversation with clients um it's actually interesting that some clients are actually against it it's like you get your travel pack to go and by the way you've got to book your test i think that people will do it and i think that we're we're always super conscious that if we're we're talking about something that's happening now versus in a month time, two months time, or whenever the event is, it's just a, yes, we've got it in there. I mean, we're even talking about one for June next year and the client's still a bit of an apprehensive client and saying, well, if we have to test, does that go in the budget and everything else? And, and rather than saying, oh no, that won't happen because I think we've all been in that situation at some point in the last year and a half that we sat there and went, oh, this will be gone in six months. Um, and it, and it hasn't that we, we haven't had an instance of having to do it yet, but we've always got it got it there um, if needs be. I mean, we've adhered, to, we, we did the event in Mexico. We adhered to the testing in and out there. Um, we dealt with the US client. A lot of our clients now have a, um, a COVID expert um, or a, a panel on, on how to do that. And part of the app that we used had a whole page on COVID and what they should do pre-event, during event, what the testing was and, um, yeah, adding a COVID testing morning is a, is a great group activity, by the way. Um, and then it's, uh, but it's actually quite a nice togetherness thing when yeah. you announce to everybody that they haven't got COVID and it's like, hey, we're all together. Um, so yeah, it's it, it works. And I think the biggest thing is that people, there's no country that this hasn't touched. It's not that, yes, some people in, in bigger ways than others, but if we put testing in or masks or still wearing them or anything like that, and there's no one that's going to come and go, Oh, what's testing i mean i don't know whether i mean i've had 50 tests everyone's had them now people are used to it so i don't think it's a, a sticking point for people not to do it 
Kirsten, I think if you've got if you've got kids, then you're used to doing lateral flow tests. But I think that a lot of the people I know that don't have families aren't having to do them that often, actually. So it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit newer for them. Yeah, I think it is through. You're absolutely right. I think it is through events that that's where it will come about. Um, <clears throat> well, Kirsty, what about you in terms of are you thinking of testing as part of your program? Um, yeah, I think, again, similar thing. We haven't actually had the live event yet where we've had to do it. So we've been thinking about it for um, the events that were going to happen. Um, so I think um, I mentioned earlier that I had an event that was going to happen, um, an incentive from last year. We've now moving it for the fifth time. But we were really, really hoping we could make it work in the summer. And we've just had to make the call that it's not going to happen. But with that, again, it's it, what's been the challenge, I think, and will continue to be the challenge is that you don't, because it's changing all the time we could decide now for an event that's happening in September what's the testing regime what's the um, processes we're going to put in place what are the rules we have to stick to how far apart the chairs need to be all those kind of things but actually come September it could have changed so I think it's thinking through things which comes back to that contingency thing of what can we make a plan that's going to work so I think what's going to be really interesting is seeing and one of the things we're thinking about is like buffets and food and what do the menus look like because actually what's people's feeling going to be about you know conferences and events it's all about buffets isn't it and so actually is that are people going to be comfortable with that idea you know a lot of the time over in the US it's family style dining are people going to feel comfortable with that or is that going to change um going forward so it's I think that's one of the things we're having to think through more and more and when we're looking at whether it's UK or other destinations you know even now if you get a get a briefing for I don't know whether it's Italy or whether it's Miami you're kind of thinking through if things are going to be as they are now what do we need to do to it's not just about abiding by what the rules and the regulations are but actually how do we make our guests our customers people how do we make them feel the most comfortable because you are going to have you know the people that are really comfortable with it they're happy not to wear their mask they just want to get out there and have a great time but there's going to be the other people that are a bit more cautious and are thinking about it and I think um, there's two things there's the people that don't want to get um, dinged on the self-isolation but there's people that are genuinely really still worried about catching it so it's all of these things that go into the mix I think that we're still having to consider um, whether it's in this country or further afield and I think it's going to be that continuing challenge um, as we move forward and just to see kind of you know what 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 is going to happen because we've been told it's opening up and things can go back to normal but in a month's time what are the infection rates going to look like and what will that kind of look like when we kind of translate that into an event okay you've got um an event monday did you say no or on sa saturday saturday so yes. is testing part of your plan at all well it is for staff yeah it is for everybody for staff but for our client um it's really up to them it's a it's a um sort of more of a party so it's it, it's we have to we have to all we can do is recommend what we suggest but for our staff we stick to very very strict rules in fact we were just having the chat before about uh trying to find the information about whether yeah whether the double vax whether you need to lateral flow if you've got a double vaccination certificate on the nhs app um so i think i think it would be really helpful actually a bit of resource if my spokes was put something on their portal about covid yeah, I mean, there is very difficult. You've got something. I know you've got something, but no. I mean, I'm just going to say that there isn't any formal. There is. There will be more. I think event-specific formal guidance from the MIA, mm. which is going to come out. But I don't think it will tell us how that specific part. Um, yeah. But let's let's wait and see. Um, 
let's let's move on to um, so something that we did an article yesterday about the announcement and what some industry leaders thought of it. And something that Sarah Threffle brought up was quite interesting, which I quite liked, is that now that the restrictions on capacity has been removed. So say I was doing an event for 50 people, I would have had to take up a big ballroom uh, hotel rather than a room that took 50 people. So with the change in guidance, there hopefully will be a lot more availability. I mean, obviously we, we need to wait to see that through. I don't actually even have a question here, but I thought it was quite interesting that actually availability will become a little bit better, let's say in the UK, um, because, because you just don't have to have as many people uh, or you don't need the big room to hold the smaller people, number of people. Chris? I think that I agree that needing the smaller rooms, but I think that a lot of the availability moment is driven by leisure. So it's bedroom based, um, either here or, and I saw on the chat earlier about the, like the Caribbean and the consumer market that they, if they can't offer you the bedroom space, either they can't offer it to you or their revenue managers are pushing up the price of those individual bedrooms because of that. And because it's the leisure market, they're taking the, the cheaper rooms that we want for our, for our events, not, the big suites and stuff like that so yeah not to go against your your your, your point Chad, but i think that it it's more on the bedroom side of it that we're, we're going to see the challenge um but yeah. but i agree i think it's speaking to a lot of the hotels where we were going through that capacity um point of view is that people weren't going to run an event if they could if they had to take a ballroom of that size because you've got some companies where people twin rooms so if you're saying you have to sit two meters apart but then you're twinning rooms and then you've got the coffee break or the dinner you, whose responsibility is it to for example kate on your event this weekend um that if there is still guidance that people are meant to have social distancing and stuff like that mm -hmm. if two people get a bit close throughout the evening are you meant to go over and go excuse me you've got to be a little bit apart or is it mm -hmm. that that bubble that you're in and any, anything goes and that's where i think the mm -hmm. um the well, we still have to, I mean, we still have to follow the guidance. It's still the law. So, you know, everything, everything that's happening, but you're right. I mean, if two people, it's very difficult to go up and split up two people. But you're not supposed to dance at an event. So that shouldn't be too much of a problem at the moment. You're not allowed to dance floor and you're not supposed to dance or sing. So it's going to be You can do it outside though. You can dance. You can do it outside, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, there's a few, there's a, I mean, this weekend's different because we're still in the we're still within the um, guidance of the law um, after the nineteenth. I mean, I, I just think we're going to have to be sensitive to each of our clients on an individual basis, and I think they're all so different. And you know, we just have to really sort of really work with them to deliver an event that they feel comfortable with, and that they're whoever's going to be attending feels comfortable with. Yeah, and carrying on with the call, um, as you mentioned, Ted, and we did that. So when we did the did the event, we actually were super worried about people sitting together and how would they react and, and all of this sort of thing. And and on the first night, we had everything spread out and tables of two and and tables of ten, and and then they just all went and stood right next to each other because <laughs> that's what they wanted to do. So I think yeah. as long as you have it as a backup, and I've seen reposted on LinkedIn loads of times the wristbands and. And all of that sort of thing of different colors and and people will naturally do that so you're not forcing someone into a situation you're providing with the options my feeling is that the vast majority of people will if they're going to come on the trip or the in or the event or whatever it is they've committed to right i'll i'm going to i'm going to embrace embrace what that is um mm -hmm. so that, that's the positive side of it that mm -hmm. we we overestimated what people's reaction was going to be yeah 
And I don't think we want to stifle. I mean, when you look at the reports from the football or from Leicester Square with the, when, you know, Scotland came down to Wembley or Ascot last week, um, groups of people naturally get together. And, you know, although we can work with the client to provide the, the safest and most comfortable environment for them, ultimately people are people and I don't think we want to stifle once the rules are over and the dangers have disappeared um stifle people actually getting back to so being sociable and normal I think it'll be a balance won't it it'll be about making sure we're not kind of cramming people into maybe how we would have done stuff before because we want to make people feel comfortable but once the rules have gone at least we don't have to be doing that crazy thing of like police yeah I saw an event recently where they did a staff update and they all sat in a meeting room um a meter apart and then they all went to the pub outside afterwards and sat on little picnic benches <laughs> next to each other so it was kind of like what was the point in that if that but yeah it's human nature isn't it and I think um it's that same thing people see each other and especially when the rules aren't there anymore people are going to naturally gravitate to each other so mm-hmm. I think it's making sure there will be the people not comfortable and as long as we're not making them feel uncomfortable yeah and I really, I, do you know what? I really hope we get back to go back to a situation where people aren't scared anymore because the fear that's been bred in people in general, you know, not just in events, I think it's so sad, you know, from children through to adults, the fear. Um, I, I think it will be just a most wonderful time when people aren't scared anymore. I, th- I think that one thing we, we do need to be careful of is that people either don't want to attend um, if they want to take an incentive, for example, or they, if we put in the rules in place, you have to be double vaccinated and so and so. And there's people who freedom of choice don't want to have that. Mm-hmm. So when we're dealing with clients, we've had people go, well, what, what do we give them if they don't, if they qualify but can't attend? Mm-hmm. So it's that you're still trying to incentivize people that if you're saying, oh, we're going to go here and it's going to be great. And someone's sitting there going, well, I'm not going to want to qualify for that because mm-hmm. I don't want to go. What is the alternative and what are the backups to that? And that's questions from clients as to okay, monetary thing. Is it um, a personal trip? Is it whatever they want to do rather than just being, well, if you don't want to go, that's your own fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you, you're having to shape your proposals to take them into account. Yeah, interestingly, I've seen that already. So events that should have happened this year that have moved to next year with a client and they do two level incentives and one's going to Vegas and one's going to Barcelona. And I've had cost, end customers who are on that on those trips saying they don't want to go to Vegas, can they go to Barcelona instead because they don't feel comfortable? Or people actually saying, do you know what, we don't want to go anyway. Um, and these trips are for over a year, like they're a year away, but some people, you know, it's only been a handful of people, but some people are already kind of saying that now. So mm-hmm. um, it's a little, it's a shame really, like you're saying, Kate, that there's obviously still that fear there and mm-hmm. to think that far ahead. Um, so yeah, I think it is something that maybe we do need to start thinking about um, in kind of proposals and stuff and having that conversation with with. Let's move on to um, something that was raised earlier about offices. And, you know, I think that we, we're kind of getting that there's a parallel between organisations deciding about their office and work kind of um, work culture going forward. And once they decide that, that's when they might start to think about events. But what about you guys in terms of your own offices? And are you back in offices? Are you staggered? What's your office plan? Um, and how, you know, we've got quite a lot of suppliers on the call as well. How would you see the future direction when suppliers used to come into your offices, bring their, you know, hotels, DMCs, et cetera? How do you see that working going forward? Uh, Kate, go to you. Oh, 
Well, I'm actually in the office today, <laughs> um, but we're still remote. So I, I think until we have the guidance after the 19th that it's okay to go back to offices, you know, that actually we're just letting everyone remain remote. But I have to say from our clients' perspective, it's a really, it is the sort of focus of the moment is trying to figure out how most of them are not going to go back to a normal situation uh, where everyone's going to be back in the office. The majority of them are, are working to some sort of like hybrid situation where you kind of work, come into the office two to three days a week. So um, I think that will be the reality. That will be a bit of a challenge, I suppose, for those meetings like you're talking about from the wonderful DMCs and airlines and hotel groups and things because that personal contact is so important the relationship you build face-to-face mm. is wonderful um and I think it, it would be a shame if that stopped working so I think that there's a way of getting people even when we even if we stay remote to meet somewhere to have that face-to-face meeting somewhere and somehow I'd like to think that I don't know what everyone else thinks I, I'd like to think that yeah, we, we were having a conversation earlier, we had a call just before this one and, and looking at it in the same way with a lot of our clients are that smaller meetings rather than the travel time and, and everything else. And um, and from a supplier point of view that they haven't booked it in and then they're halfway driving down, you go, oh, sorry, I can't make it because people are not in the office or whatever, all the stuff that happened before COVID. But I think then that it will put the emphasis on things for the face-to-face element like IBTM, the glorious mice book um, events that they do, um, all stuff like that, where you're actually getting together in two or three times a year rather than lots of individual small meetings face-to-face that you can do it. We've all learned that you can do it through this through this point of view as well. Um, can I just, sorry, can I just really quickly on the chat from Chris about Please. the categories and catering for people that are dropped. That's what I was trying to um, to say is that while we're being optimistic, we've got to, make sure that we're not just lumping everyone into people aren't scared and they're not gonna they're doing it because they're of the fear or whatever there's genuinely people that can't do it um have to be worried about covid long term etc and and yeah we do need to make sure that there are um fail safes in place and things that incentivize them as well and whether that's a tiered incentive program but yeah being optimistic is not that we're just ignoring that people there's some people that this is genuinely going to be a lifetime of um, of worry for them. Yeah, no, thank you, Chris. And Chris, for the question. Uh, Kirsty, to you about offices and uh, what's your situation with First Event? Yeah, so at the moment we are still um, working from home, but we're going into the office when we're kind of streaming virtual events because we need the equipment um, in the office or if we need to go into the office. So I think some people are doing kind of one or two days a week in the office, dependent on when they need to go in. But we are predominantly still from home. Um, So we're going to be going back probably to more of like a two, three day a week. Um, We've grown in size over this time, which has obviously been really good. So we actually couldn't all be in the office at once at the moment. So um, I think we're I think people are looking forward to going back and kind of getting in the office and seeing people. Um, On the supplier visit thing, I think um, I agree you can do it virtually and we prove that. And, you know, on the travel time and exactly what you're saying, Chris, about having to cancel them or whatever. But then on the flip side for me as well, I think. when you have someone coming into your office and you physically leave your desk and go and sit downstairs and you give them that dedicated time 
um, it does have a real value against actually sitting on a Zoom call when you get distracted by other things and you're not maybe really giving it your full attention or it's easier to say I'm not coming now because I've got another meeting if it's only a virtual thing rather than them actually coming and you know as we've all said you can't replace that like face-to-face interaction with people um, mm-hmm. so I'd love to still see them happen in a way but I do think it will I don't think we'll go back to how things were before um, now that we have proved that you can do things virtually so if it is um, going to the um, IBTM and things like that more or there's more things like that that pop up um, but I think the face-to-face bit um, still I think you've got a really really big place to play in the relationships. Brilliant um, so we're nearly coming up to the hour thank you so much um, any any further questions please just pop them into the chat see if we've got time for any um, I'm just going to then ask for some closing comments um, and I guess uh, if you had a wish whether it was client side, government, supplier, to anyone, what would that wish be? Um, and I'm going to go to Chris first and let the others to give the other two a time to think. Thanks. Thanks so much. <laughs> um, I, I think it's more just clear guidance. Like when, they, like, like I mentioned earlier about the transatlantic committee and it's going to happen. And then um, when they said, oh, releasing the, on, um, on Twitter, Oh, double vaccinated aren't going to have to. Um, I'm going to have to isolate when they come back. And then the next tweet was at some point in the summer. And then the next one was we'll release details next month. And it's like, well, that that doesn't help. Even if it's the worst case scenario of, and I, I've been in that court of like, don't let's not do things too quickly. But if they go right, 30th of July, we're going to do this and 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 set it out like they did with the roadmap. Um, but just to put false hope out there. Um, it, it doesn't help so my wish is that it was more kind of we've got a committee this is when they're going to report this is what we're doing and these are the reasons why versus um yeah and wish that england win tonight <laughs> yes thanks chris uh Kirsty. Um, yeah, really similar, I think. I think it's that the bit for us is the international travel piece and the what's going to happen. And I think it's this um, current thing of the green, amber, red list. And is that going to stay or is there going to be a new version of that? Um, you know, if it was very different last summer. And then, you know, I think as I said earlier about the amber list as well, like Chris said, knowing what's going to happen and actually having um, having more clarity of when things will change. So is this still going to be that if they're going to change this on amber list, will there be a point? when that changes would a new variant or would a new something change that or once you've made that decision is it going to stay the same for amber countries um and i think it's you know it's just knowing what that's going to be or actually in three months time will they change the rules on amber countries and that's what happens for green countries so i think it's more of a this is what it's going to be and it's going to stay this way i think is probably what mine would be yeah thank you and kate uh Oh my gosh, I was racking my brains then thinking, uh, yeah, England win would be good. Um, <laughs> uh, my wish would probably be that the momentum carries on and that um, I just wish that I just wish very much that people will be comfortable being with people again. And that all of this, uh, that people will be able to put it behind them, whether they're our clients, whether it's our industry, you know, whatever it might be, that the fear disappears and that, that people can be happy and positive again you know that will be my wish yeah well with you three uh making sure that our clients and industry feel that way i think we've got a good chance so thank you uh so much for taking time out to be on the talks today really appreciate your honesty it's been really insightful 
Uh, thanks everyone for joining. Um, we've got, if you're around, as I said, 14th of July, next Wednesday at Waterloo, we've got the event. Go to mustbeonit.com and click on events for details. It's a rock up and pay as you go, just to meet each other. As, as many of the panelists have said, it's just so nice to see people face to face. So uh, hopefully we'll see some of you then. Otherwise the V Awards, 3rd of September, the early bird deadline is this Friday. Thanks everyone. Have a great week. Come on England. Yeah. And thanks Thank Jess you. for setting this up. Yeah, yeah. We really hope you enjoyed those talks and if so, please rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. To see what the next discussions are, please go to mustbeonit.com and click on Talks in the menu bar. To contact MiceBook, please email us at info at or follow us on Instagram and Twitter.